Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. WWE executive salaries revealed for the McMahon family. Former WWE superstar now owns his ring name, and I go through some championship issues in the WWE today. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Jaden Becker TV last night was the first NXT UK since NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver and was also the first ever NXT on Tuesday nights, thus ending the Wednesday Night Wars. Before we get into that, let us check out our news. WWE executive salaries revealed for the McMahon family. WWE released their latest proxy statement for shareholders yesterday. Uh, The SEC filing also includes salaries for top executives in the company, including the McMahon family. I'll run through them now. Uh, WWE chairman and CEO Vince McMahon makes $1.4 million in 2021 with equal salary in all the 2018 through 2020. WWE Executive Vice President and Global Talent Strategy and Development Paul Triple H Levesque uh, made $730,000 in 2021. And the same goes for WWE Chief Brand Officer Stephanie McMahon, also making seven hundred thirty thousand dollars in twenty twenty one. These base salaries are, do not include stock options and bonuses or any talent pay for Triple H and Stephanie. So this is the baseline of what they make, but obviously make a lot more given uh, their investments, uh, their bonuses, and and things like that. That uh, and the talent stuff they get as well for appearing on television, uh, they get a. a bump up for that as well so uh, obviously a little bit more than than what uh, i'm giving you these numbers but we all get a baseline idea former wwe superstar now owns his ring name former wwe superstar leo rush now owns his ring name rush who is the current triple a world cruiserweight champion and current mlw world midway champion took to twitter this week and announced that he now owns the trademark for the name that he has used in the indies and while with the wwe from 2017 to 2020 the united states patent and trademark office records show that rush filed for the trademark in january of 20. 20, but finally received ownership on April 6th of this year. WWE made arrangements, made arrangements with Rush and Carl Anderson last summer, which saw the company transfer trademark ownership to those wrestlers. Great to see that now that he owns his name, he can do whatever he wants with it. And uh, that was always the big problem with WWE is that uh, they they own a character of you. And they also kind of own you as well, but yet at the same time, you're also considered a freelancer with the WWE. Very confusing, very odd. But that's just the way the cookie crumbles with the WWE. Uh, They own you in a sense, but now that he's able to own himself once again, uh, it's really nice to see, but also uh, almost cuts ties completely from him and the WWE in all ways, shapes, or form, which might be a good thing for Leo Rush as he's doing great for himself, winning both the AAA World Cruiserweight Championship and MLW World Middleweight Championship on an episode of MLW. 
We're going to get right into our show review for last night's NXT. But first, let us thank our sponsor, Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Manscaped has created the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. We have an exclusive offer for my listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. That is FANSIDE20, all caps, at manscaped.com at checkout. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Let's get right into this NXT after NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver, also the first ever NXT on Tuesday nights in this era of professional wrestling and uh, now ending the Wednesday Night Wars. Opened up great Karrion Cross opening the show. Uh, only a matter of time, he says, puts over Balor as one of the greatest of all time to step within the squared circle. Believes his emotions were a strength in that match and not a weakness like Balor pointed out. Calls out the locker room ready to defend the NXT Championship against anyone. No better person than Karrion Cross to lead NXT into a new era of uh, NXT, if you will, uh, going forward now on Tuesday nights. Uh, no better person. No better person. I believe that uh, now that he's finally back in the spot that he rightfully earned prior to injuring his tricep, he's even built up even more for himself given that we got some story development once he made his return. So it wasn't just he jumped into the fray and automatically won the NXT Championship once again. No, we, we sort of got a build-up to it, giving him some more emotion, give, giving us a lot more to grasp onto, which I really appreciate for Karrion Cross. And, you know, they didn't immediately, immediately do it. They saved it for a perfect time as well, right around WrestleMania season, putting him into those festivities as well. So good for Karrion Cross. Can't wait to see who is next on his list and who is next for the opportunity for the NXT Championship. MSK take on Killian Dane and Drake Maverick for the NXT Tag Team Championship. MSK coming into this one as the champions having their first title defense after winning the titles at NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. Back and forth until MSK finds control over Drake Maverick. Dane dominant on the outside and takes... the to heart the powerhouse role that he plays on this team with Drake Maverick. Tandem offense onto Drake Maverick allows for MXK to retain the NXT Tag Team Championships. I believe that this day uh, Drake Maverick just losing all these matches for his tag team with Killian Dane is all building up for Dane to explode on Maverick uh, somewhere down the line, or better yet, leaving uh, Drake Maverick and then making Drake Maverick turn heel keeping Dane uh, in a babyface uh, standpoint. And I think that might even be more possible with Imperium attacking Dane after the match for what he's become as a as a person, as he's no longer that beast that uh, we all used to know Killian Dane as. Now, just a person that tag teams with Drake Maverick. That And I'm glad that at least Imperium is acknowledging, and NXT is acknowledging what Killian Dane has become and what he used to be all keeping that as a reminder in the back of our heads of what Killian Dane could be in the ring and the dominant force that he could bring to NXT. Glad that the reminder is constantly there for us and that they're pushing his buttons time and time again. 
Mercedes Martinez versus Jesse Kamea with Robert Stone. Uh, who's the babyface in this match? I guess Martinez, but she did get a lot of booze in this match as well. Kamea drumps the bell, but this match ends up to be a squash match with Martinez getting the win. Nice and easy. Robert Stone attacked after the match by uh, Martinez trying to get her money for uh, doing the job for... Robert Stone last week uh, calls out Raquel Gonzalez screaming uh, over the announce table into the announce table microphones for a match for the NXT Women's Championship. Uh, this will probably come into fruition future down the line, but uh, this is going to be a great opponent for Raquel Gonzalez to beat. Moving on, Santos Escobar taking on Kushida for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. An open challenge accepted by Kushida. He took two losses the uh, Kushida did at the last two NXT takeovers, but continuing to stay in the conversation for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Escobar sending Legado del Fantasma to the back to do this match on his own. Very uh, commendable there for Santos Escobar, I guess. Kushida in tights, not in jeans in this one, and in control early on. Early on I thought it was really nice to see him in tights for this match and not in the jeans that he usually wears and the gimmick that he runs with him, which is fine, you know, if he's comfortable in the jeans, he can do whatever he wants. Kushida he does a great job, you know, six-time number IWGP junior heavyweight, whatever, whatever, and I can go on and on and uh, talk about Kushida's greatness in, in New Japan, but in NXT, a little bit of a different story, but we'll see as it moves on. A great spot uh, back and forth with fantastic offense from Kushida after struggling on the outside. Another great spot with Escobar just breaking up the pinfall with a rope break, just putting his foot onto the top rope, uh, onto the bottom rope. A really, really nice uh, spot there by Escobar just in that the last opportunity and the last second for him to do that rope break he does. The two trade kicks and then pinfalls, and the pinfall trading back and forth leads to Kushida picking up the win and now is the new NXT Cruiserweight Champion. Talk about a surprising ending to a match in a good way at that. I thought this was absolutely fantastic. If anyone deserves it after the matches they've put uh, put on, it's definitely going to be Kushida. I knew gold would be around his waist soon and it just surprised me it was right after NXT uh, TakeOver. But I think we might find that NXT TakeOver might be, uh, the, well the NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver might turn into uh, the the WrestleManias of takeovers in the sense that uh, now this Tuesday after Stand and Deliver turned into what we all hope that Monday Night Raw at the WrestleMania would be. So I thought they did a fantastic, fantastic job with this match. Kushida is now your new NXT Cruiserweight Champion. A very, very surprising ending. And I wouldn't say it's too surprising because we all knew that Kushida can definitely do this. We all know Kushida has the ability and to put on these fantastic matches and deserve the title around his waist. Uh, it's just a little surprising that it came after the fantastic ladder match that Escobar and uh, Jordan Devlin had at TakeOver Stand and Deliver for Escobar to lose the championship there. It's not like he had a one-week reign, it's, but it also kind of feels that same type of idea given that he wasn't the NXT uh, Cruiserweight Champion alone. He, he was NXT Cruiserweight Champion with Jordan Devlin that was acknowledged. So uh, it, it's a little bit odd, but Kushida now the standalone NXT Cruiserweight Champion and possibly future on down the line will face off against Jordan Devlin as they did have an interaction backstage uh, after the match between uh, Santos Escobar. In our next segment, Raquel Gonzalez cuts a promo. She says a year and a half journey in the making for her to 
uh, win the NXT Women's Championship, and she gives thanks to Dakota Kai. She also puts over Io Shirai as a fantastic competitor, something that we've been seeing a lot lately. We saw on the main roster in Raw with Bob, with uh, MVP talking about Drew McIntyre as a formidable opponent and a fantastic champion. Uh, and in his own right, we saw early on in the show, Karrion Cross talk about Finn Balor, and now we see it here in this situation as well, uh, talking about Io Shirai and Raquel Gonzalez saying that how fantastic Io Shirai was. So in all these all these places here, we see a, a big thanks to the person that they beat, and it guess it, it puts over obviously the person that they beat, but also puts themselves over as well, saying that uh, yes, they they were so good, but I beat them, makes making me even better. And now look at me, I'm holding the gold. So uh, I thought I thought that was fun, and and uh, if they continue on doing that, it might be a little bit repetitive, but and, and it's still starting to feel a little bit of repetitive, given the fact that uh, it's happened three times in a row with three major championships. The Raquel Gonzalez era has begun. Frankie Monet makes her NXT debut, a.k.a. Taya Valkyrie from Impact Wrestling. If you remember, she finding her way over to NXT after her, her contract was up with Impact. Monet with a heelish promo and walks away. A little bit odd for Monet's debut. I thought it was a good promo for a heel, but I didn't expect her to come in as a heel so fast, especially if she's going to be feuding with Raquel Gonzalez so fast early on. I thought Raquel Gonzalez was the heel, but maybe not now. Maybe since she's won this championship, she's turned babyface, but I don't know where I missed that. Was it her during her celebration? Was it during uh, the, the beginning of this promo segment? A little, a little confusing. Rhea Ripley makes her NXT return now as the Raw Women's Champion. The two friends, Raquel Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley, uh, they claim their championships together and hug it out I know that they are real life friends and and uh, putting the differences beside each other after the fantastic match the last women standing match that they had uh, between the two I believe at Vengeance Day and now Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez hugging it out in the middle of the ring Bianca Belair making her NXT return now as Smackdown women's champion and uh, all three standing tall hugging signifying in the middle of the ring a new era in women's wrestling a fantastic moment. Who's cutting onions? I'm not crying. You're crying. It, an emotional moment uh, it, because to see all three of these stars stand in the middle of the ring as champions, uh, as I said, a new era in women's wrestling has been signified. We talked about the, the women's evolution. We talked about what uh, the change that brought to pro wrestling with Becky Lynch and with uh, Charlotte Flair and Bailey and Sasha Banks and what they did for women's wrestling in the late 2010s and now in the early 2020s, we're getting a new movement of uh, women's pro wrestling in the WWE with Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, and Raquel Gonzalez all being the face of that. And a, a picture on Twitter was posted by Triple H uh, with him and his arms around all three of the champions. Uh, I'm not saying this is a face turn for all of them at the same time. I'm definitely not saying that. But what I am saying at the most part at that is that it is acknowledged at this point that all three of these stars have uh, done something a lot bigger than themselves. Then They've done something more than just winning a championship. They signified a new era in women's uh, professional wrestling, which is uh, really, really nice to see. Roderick Strong makes it official leaving NXT. Uh, giving his letter of resignation resignation to 
uh, William Regal letting him know that that's it and for his time in NXT he felt strong there with his wife I, I wrote in my notes here not sure if this is kayfabe or not but this is definitely within kayfabe and uh, I'm sure we're going to find him in the main roster soon or if this is some plan timed off after the Undisputed Era stuff being over now it's spending some time off for Finn Be- not for, for um, Adam Cole and for Kyle O'Reilly to do their thing for a little bit Roderick Strong probably either going to be away from everything for quite some time or we see him next week on Monday Night Raw or on Friday Night Smackdown. We see we see him either coming up real fast or he's gone for a while and uh, he makes his uh, either main roster debut or he uh, goes back to NXT maybe after six, seven months or something like that. Because I'm expecting him to be away if he's going to be away. Like he's going to be away for a while, you know, because he's been a, a workhorse for a very long time for the WWE and for NXT, or he fulfills a dream and makes it to the main roster, has a run on Monday Night Raw, has a run on Friday Night SmackDown, which I would be excited to see, but it's a shame that we're not going to be able to see him together with his Undisputed Era buddies, uh, well, the former Undisputed Era buddies. Remember when we all thought that we're going to go together to the main roster, the Undisputed Era? I guess not, but uh, they definitely have told a great story about the breaking up of the Undisputed Era, and uh, I'm excited to see what's going to happen next with Roderick Strong, given the fact that he's not leaving the WWE in, in no way, shape, or form. It's just that he's leaving in a sense of uh, NXT and might not be coming back for, for a little bit it, it, within kayfabe, within kayfabe. Next match, Isaiah Swerve Scott taking on Leon Ruff. Ruff fighting back after a slow start, using the ropes to his advantage. A nice dive to the outside by Ruff, but can't keep Scott down. Crazy top rope Herakurana by Ruff. Swerve fights his way back into the match and picks up the win, driving Ruff into the mat. Fantastic match. I, I don't think I did enough credit here by how great this match was. And, and uh, for Swerve to get back into this match uh, the way he did, great comeback there as well. Uh, these two are building themselves back into relevancy in the North American in the North American division here for NXT. Uh, no man left behind on NXT. I like to say as uh, we rarely ever see someone uh, for here and there. We do, but most of those guys are 205 live guys that make their way over NXT, but sort of fi- fall their way through the cracks. Uh, and you usually are just guys that are work really well on 205 live, but not on NXT. No, if you're on NXT and you're signed to that NXT contract, there's no man left behind, no matter what. I can re- remember I've been talking about Isaiah Swerve Scott for quite, quite some time, uh, looking a little bit while back, so a few weeks ago, saying that he's at the bottom of the uh, North American division uh, for, for that title. And he's pushing himself way up. I think he might, might be second or third at this point, Swerve Scott. So uh, good for him. Good for him. I remember saying that he was at the bottom, and look what, what just happened. No man left behind being pulled up to the top, uh, him and Leon Ruff both fighting in that direction. Moving on to our main event, Bronson Reed, Dexon Loomis, Shotzi Blackheart, and Ember Moon taking on the way in an eight-person mixed tag team match for our main event. And uh, this is the first time I think we've ever seen this on NXT. And uh, it was a fun match, a really, really fun match to end the show. Indy Hartwell continues with her sexual affinity over Dexter Loomis. We'll see how that breaks down throughout the uh, rest of the main event. Uh, the match breaks down itself with the women attacking the men with dives to the outside. Reed throws Blackheart to the outside to down the way. Loomis showing compassion to Hartwell, talk, taking her to the back. And it was a cute, like she was laying down on the apron and Dexter Loomis was concerned because uh, she he thought that she was injured 
taking her to the back and then uh, Indy Hartwell looking at the camera, winking, you know, giving a thumbs up, saying that, oh, I'm going to be with Dexter Loomis. And it, it was cute, a little stupid, a little stupid. I'm not going to say that wasn't stupid. You know, if that was on an episode of Raw, we all would have reamed it. And we all know that, you know, that's just the way it goes. If that was on an episode of Raw, if that was on an episode of SmackDown, we all been like, what the heck was that? But no, since it's on NXT, it's all it's all OK. They get to, they get the free pass. It's on NXT. Uh, but but I thought it was it was cute, but it was a little stupid as well. So I got I gotta call it fair. Gotta call it fair. I I always think it's a good rule of thumb. If I saw this on an episode of Raw, would people be mad? If this happened on an episode of Raw, would Twitter explode? So it, I think a perfect rule of thumb would be like if you if AEW, uh, excuse me, if if WWE put on the exploding power bar death match and the pyro at the end was what it was on AEW. WWE would have made it out alive on Twitter. It would have just been a, a, for, a forever miss. But I think AEW, I wouldn't say they got in a clean pass after the uh, exploding power bar deathmatch incident and how bad the, the pyro was at the end. But it's definitely not as bad as it would have been if it was Monday Night Raw or SmackDown or on a major pay-per-view for something like that happening. You know, it wouldn't have been uh, even remotely close as how those two uh, would have been compared to. Moving back onto the match and the end of the match, a tsunami onto Austin Theory to pick up the win. Uh, a great interaction with the males and females in this match with uh, some awesome spots. As I mentioned, uh, the, the, the women really attacking the men in this match and with no fear at all, with even Candice LeRae going for a DDT through the ropes onto the outside. And so just great spots, great spots all around. And it was really, really nice to see. Really, really nice to see. You don't really see that too often. Uh, in uh, NXT or even on the main roster, but for them to to execute it the way they did, and for the the excess of women in this match to be able to take on the men the way that they did, and from that standpoint, that was really really nice. So good on NXT and good job for them putting on a heck of a show, uh, unabided by AEW being uh, compared to them in every uh, way, shape, or form, and and every move that they make, given that they're no longer head to head now on a Tuesday night. And honestly, it was nice watching an NXT without having to uh, worry about checking Twitter and spoiling AEW for myself uh, later on in the night because I, either I would watch AEW first and then watch NXT later and it, uh, back to back. But obviously since, since they were running head to head against each other, uh, people are tweeting about AEW, people are tweeting about NXT. And I get a little bit scared because I don't want to go on Twitter, be watching NXT and then say, oh, this happened on AEW and I, and I have it spoiled for me later on. So it's nice to not have that uh, worrying in the back of my mind, knowing that, oh, I have, I have AEW or NXT to worry about that's going on at the exact same time. So I get, I get to have a deep breath. I get to have a deep breath. And NXT put on a heck of a show for, for them to uh, open up on a Tuesday night and even had a title change as well. Also bringing on Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair, bringing some familiarity from the main roster back down to NXT. So if someone is a new fan after WrestleMania wanted to get back into the pro wrestling swing of things, they have familiar faces as well on NXT making their way back just for this episode showing some legitimacy as well. Not like NXT needs it, but for to the casual fan, uh, they might need that legitimacy of Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair making that appearance. So a lot of things involved and a very smart way of doing it for NXT on Tuesday night. Let's see how W, uh, excuse me, see how uh, AEW compares, uh, which uh, I think they do have a strong card as well, but let's see how they compare on Wednesday nights unabided all alone, which should be very nice to see. 
We're going to head into the break, but when we come back, I'm going to talk about some championship issues in the WWE. I had three very specific issues that need to be fixed and uh, how I would do them uh, here on the Daily DDT Podcast. So do not miss out. Stick with us right here. You're not going to want to miss it. On this day in pro wrestling history, on April 14th, 1993, WCW made its debut in New York City and at Madison Square Garden. It was at the Paramount Theater of MSG, so does it really count? Does it, re- does it really count? I don't know. Uh, that, that's maybe for uh, you to decide because it wasn't at actually inside Madison Square Garden where the Knicks play or anything like that. You know, it's in the Paramount Theater where they put on the nice shows. I remember I watched... Uh, the, the Grinch had a show there, and uh, you know a couple of Dr. Seuss shows that they had there. I remember every Christmas, me and the family would go. We watched like the special Dr. Seuss show that's on for uh, for NMSG. And we go and we watch that, and it's always a good time. But you know, it's never actually inside Madison Square Garden when the Rangers and the Knicks play, and where all these fantastic WWE moments happen. So it might be a little bit of a knock, but it's okay. It's okay. I'll be able to swallow it. Looking back on history, no one needs to know. If you just say Madison Square Garden, it sounds good. It just sounds good. Couple highlights: Chris Benoit and Ron Simmons fought to a double countout. Uh, the Hollywood Blonde, Steve Austin, and Brian Pillman defeated uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Two Cold Scorpio to retain the NWA WCW World Tag Team Championships. Rick Rude defeated Cactus Jack. Dustin Rose defeated Paul Orndorff by disqualifications to retain the WCW United States Championship. Barry Windham defeated Ricky Steamboat to retain the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And Sting defeated Big Van Vader by disqualification in a WCW World Heavyweight Championship match. All of that in Paramount Theater of Madison Square Garden. So I'll give it a little jab. I'll give it a little jab. Why not? Moving on, I want to talk about the WWE here, and we talk about the WWE a lot, obviously, in the Daily DDT Podcast, given that it is the WWE. And there is some championship issues in the WWE currently at the moment. Uh, nothing from a, a like a legitimate standpoint, nothing from a standpoint of like, oh, there's something's going to be vacated, someone's going to walk up with a title, nothing like that, nothing crazy. But from a booking perspective, I think there are some issues with the WWE Championship, and maybe even from a logistic perspective, there's some issues from the WWE Championship as well. I have three main points here, and three main points are there's too many heels holding championships, there's too many championships in general, and every feud in the WWE is about a championship. So let's start off small if you want to call it small. And uh, let's start off from the standpoint of there's too many heels holding championships at the moment. There's too many bad guys holding championships at the moment. Just think about it for a second. I'm going to run through the list here, and I'll tell you that there's a lot of heels holding championships, especially in the main roster. Sheamus, Apollo Crews, Bobby Lashley, Roman Reigns, all of the four major WWE championships for men are held by heels, Lashley, Roman, Sheamus, and Cruz. All right, might be a coincidence, and Roman Reigns, you know, he gets some cheers here and there. You might be able to swallow that, but it is what it is. And then you look at the tag team division. You have Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler, both obvious heels, and both holding the uh, women's tag team, WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. And then on SmackDown, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode holding the 
uh, SmackDown Tag Team Championships. And you can even kind of count a couple other uh, people moving forward, even looking at NXT. Well, if you look at Raw in the first part of that, you look at uh, AJ Styles and Omos. It, I know Omos put, put on a fantastic performance at WrestleMania, but you have to consider him a heel. I think it, it kind of goes both ways. You know, even though you cheer for him at, at WrestleMania because it's awesome to see him make his debut, he is considered a heel, and so is AJ Styles. So, uh, they're, they're heel champions. Rhea Ripley, you can argue, is a heel champion at the moment, especially if Asuka was the babyface coming into WrestleMania. So Rhea Ripley, currently the heel champion. You could also argue now that she's kind of the tweener in between state now that Charlotte Flair is the dominant heel in the Raw women's division. So it go, kind of goes both ways there. I guess it depends on who she's facing at the time to see if she's a heel or a face. Karrion Cross, you can argue, kind of is a tweener. Uh, NXT champions are kind of weird because we're so happy to see them win the NXT championship that you kind of don't want to boo them. Like for Karrion Cross, a lot of you deserve a chance in, in the episode of uh, NXT last night uh, saying that, yeah, you deserve it from the crowd because he does. He deserves that championship back given that he never deserved to lose it. The only reason he lost it because of, of a torn tricep. And you can even see the emotion on Karrion Cross's face knowing that the crowd support was behind him even though he is, I guess, a heel. Finn Balor was the babyface coming into that match. Guess it kind of is a tweener there. And same thing with Raquel Gonzalez. I don't know what the heck that promo was with was with, uh, with uh, Monet, Frankie Monet, because she seemed like the heel in that situation. But Raquel Gonzalez, I thought, was booked to be the heel, given that she beat Io Shirai, who was the definite babyface in this situation. So, once again, a tweener, I guess it all depends on who Raquel Gonzalez is facing and how she's cutting her promos. But a lot of heels and a lot of tweeners holding championships. I feel like this could lead to storylines becoming a lot more predictable going forward throughout the summer. Uh, we've already seen uh, a heel champion in Santos Escobar go down to a babyface in Kushida. I'm feeling as fans possibly finding their way back into stadiums over the summer and into fall, if WWE decides to go that route of trying to bring fans back in, People want to see these feel-good stories and going to want to see these feel-good stories unfold right in front of them. So possibly by SummerSlam, if they once again find their way with fans back in seats and possibly an outdoor venue, fans are going to want to see uh, that feel-good story or WWE wants to perceive that fans are going to see that feel-good story going forward. So you have all these heel champions. They get beat by baby faces when they're fun in front of uh, fans. They're going to be a lot of good cheers, a lot of good times. And I guess WWE perceives that as uh, good storytelling. And I, just, I feel in my head it's a little bit too predictable. But if that's the direction that they're trying to go, especially coming off of WrestleMania, where they have the heels now holding and getting goes transition to more of a babyface standpoint in SummerSlam and uh, Survivor Series, I feel like it's just a little bit too predictable for my taste. Another point on why there are some issues with the WWE and championships, there's just too many championships in general in the WWE. There's a total of 20 championships in the WWE spanning from Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, 205 Live. There's a lot to keep track of compared to the four championships in AEW and the four championships on Impact as well. Uh, I feel still feel that WWE should have never made the NXT Women's Tag Team titles 
and instead should have brought the WWE Women's Tag Team titles down to NXT, I feel like that would have done a way better service to these women in the NXT Tag Team Divisions. Not that having these NXT Tag Team titles, NXT Women Tag Team titles is a bad thing. I think it's really nice and it creates a historical standpoint as well. It makes people feel like they're living through history. We get to see Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai get their moment that they deserve, given that they were a fantastic tag team throughout the past um, months, throughout the COVID era. And also looking at uh, the ability to put championships on more people in the WWE's perspective, it gets more people over given that, hey, they, they've held on to a championship, so it must mean that they're doing a good job. I get that type of notion, that type of idea, but I feel like too many championships kind of d- dilutes the value of holding one. If there's, if there's so many to go around for everybody, you better be holding one or else you're not really doing a good job. That's sort of the perspective I sort of take away given that there's so many. In AEW... I can't if I someone doesn't have a championship, I can't knock them. There's only four. You know, there's only four out there. And and you know, one of them is the women's tag team. It's a women's title. So if you're a guy, if you hold the championship, you're really, really lucky. You know, you're 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 either the AW world champion, you're the TNT champion, which is also a very prestigious role to have, or you're the tag team champions in arguably the greatest tag team division in pro wrestling today in AEW. So all three of those championships are really, really worth it to get. If you're holding the United States, the Intercontinental Champion, the, the Cruiserweight Champion, yes, it's an accomplishment, sure, but nowhere near the level of holding the TNT Championship, nowhere near holding the AEW Tag Team Championships. And that's one of the main reasons why I believe WWE should combine the Raw and SmackDown Tag Team titles and possibly future down the line making a singular women's title. But right now, I'm okay with the two major titles for the women's division. This mostly lies on the... Uh, Raw and SmackDown tag team titles. I feel like if they made just one title and had obviously one feud for it, right, and have the rest of these tag teams, moving on to my next point, feud for something that isn't a WWE championship, it would make things a lot better for the tag team division in the WWE because uh, for as it stands right now, everybody's going for a championship. So moving on to my third and final point, Every feud in the WWE is about a championship. Mostly every rivalry in the WWE is about champions. We saw some a rarity at the, with the WWE at WrestleMania with Rollins and Cesaro and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn having their matches at WrestleMania. Not for titles, just for a grudge, and but for each to have a kind of a WrestleMania moment, you know. So it's for, also for a different reason there as well. You know, the, there's something on on the back of that. It wasn't just to, for a grudge match. It was specifically for Cesaro to have his WrestleMania moment and the Kevin Owens Sami Zayn match. Even yes, the, these two well deserving to have a WrestleMania match given the thousands of matches that they wrestled together in the independent circuit and before they got to the WWE and then even in NXT what they were able to do and even on the main roster, what they're able to do, now finally having their WrestleMania time together. But it was also for Logan Paul to get uh, his WrestleMania moment as well. He got his entrance, he got stunned, all that. Make that an NFT, people will buy it, whatever, whatever. You know, fun to see, but it was also somewhat nice because uh, there was no belt on the line. You know, we were just watching a match to watch a match, and this is, as I mentioned, especially relevant in the tag team division with the WWE, where WWE loves to throw the whole division at us at once for championships. We saw this for SmackDown and the SmackDown tag team titles on the episode of WrestleMania SmackDown, where it was a it was a four way uh, tag team match for the SmackDown tag team titles. 
for what? For what? Just to throw it away. Here's, here's our whole division. Good luck. You know, enjoy it. All at the same time. That doesn't do anything for me. That doesn't do anything for me at all. It, it, it's, it's irrelevant. It's like having a random, a random battle royale in the middle of a SmackDown. It doesn't do nothing for me. And it's a shame that, you know, the, these tactics have to go through that, especially the Street Profits and uh, Alpha Academy, who's been doing a good job. Yeah, they could find themselves a rivalry with the tag team and have a good set of matches. I'm more happy with that for them to build up to a championship opportunity future down the line than just throwing everybody in the, in the same tag team match that, honestly, not, uh, not all of them deserve. So that's why I kind of felt kind of off-put by that. And you could also say the same thing about the tag team turmoil match, which I mentioned is sort of kind of falling back into 2008 women's wrestling booking in a sense where... I was like, here's a whole women's division. Enjoy it, you know. But the main point of having a women's division so special is you treat them like the men in a standpoint where you, you look at it and there's actual feuds going on, there's actual storylines, not just here's the whole division, enjoy, you know, it's shoving it down our throats. That is what I, I, I really despise. It's just, I feel like it's insulting my intelligence in a way where it's like, oh, look at all the, look at all the people we have on our roster all at the same time. I hope they have a good match. Yeah, they'll put on a decent match, but what was it all really for? Why should I have been invested in the first place? That's my, my whole argument. And not everything has to be about a belt. That's what makes pro wrestling so special and so different. Every sport that you look at, the MLB, the NFL, the NBA, the goal at the end of the season for all that is to win their respective titles, is to, is to win the World Series, is to win the Lebrotti Trophy, you know, to go home with, with, the champion, with a championship trophy. In pro wrestling, it's a little bit different because sometimes the main goal is to beat up the guy you just really don't like. It's that simple. If some guy don't like somebody else, you get to beat him up. It's simple as that. It doesn't have to be about a championship. It doesn't have to be about, uh, you know, having some gold around your waist. Sometimes if someone insults you, and we all know pro wrestling. If someone's insults you, you get to have a match with them, and that's what makes it great. And sometimes these feuds boil over to to a point where it's so so huge that they have to have it at a pay per view. That's how big these feuds get. It doesn't have to be about a championship. It just could be about how much two people just really don't like each other, and that's what makes pro wrestling so awesome. You know that in other sports, you know, just because the Mets and Yankees don't like each other that much, you know, and just because the Red Sox and the Yankees don't like each other that much, doesn't mean that in October when World Series time comes they're going to be facing off against each other you know it doesn't work like that in pro wrestling it kind of works like that you know these two teams these two people don't like each other that much so that that's my whole argument with, uh, surrounding around uh, feuds in the WWE it's always about a championship you know and, and we see in, in other promotions like AEW it's rarely ever about a championship obviously the big things are but even then look what Kenny Omega's doing in AEW, he's not facing off against anybody right now for the AEW championship. He's not putting it on the line that much because he's involved in his own storyline and he's the champion. He's involved in his own whole storyline of trying to bring the Bullet Club back together in AEW. That's a lot bigger than the championship itself because to a lot of people, that means a lot more to bringing something that people loved in Japan over to an Americanized type of idea. So even the champion in AEW isn't involved in championship storylines. He's involved with Impact, or that's a completely different story. That, that's completely out of the element. You know, in AEW itself, the AEW champion isn't worried about the AEW championship, which I think says, says a lot. It really does say a lot about the direction AEW is going and the direction WWE has gone for the past decade and the past two decades, three decades or so. And we've seen it for a long, long time. I think a change needs to come soon, sooner rather than 
later for the WWE. Looking on to our next episode. Looking on to AEW Dynamite all alone on Wednesday night. So no one to keep them warm. Uh, as uh, the NXT obviously on Tuesdays. And now all alone. Ready to uh, sink, swim, or sail their way to the top. Or down to the bottom depending on how things roll. Now that competition is lacking on Wednesday nights. Always on their toes. But now with no competition there. Will they be able to stand up? Uh, to the rest of the wrestling world and uh, maybe it'll be easier for them maybe it'll be harder for them without the the competition we'll see going forward but they have put on a good card for uh, tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite Chris Jericho versus Dax Harwood with Mike Tyson as a ringside enforcer Darby Allen versus Matt Hardy for the TNT Championship the Young Bucks taking on Pac and Ray Phoenix for the AEW Tag Team titles Red Velvet versus Jade Cargill in one-on-one action we saw uh, this matchup kind of in tag team action with uh, Cody Rhodes with Red Velvet and Shaq with Jade Cargill now we're seeing the Red Velvet Jade Cargill one-on-one action and Anthony Ogogos in-ring debut as well on AW Dynamite. All alone, all alone on Wednesday nights. That's all for me. Remember to get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off for free shipping at manscaped.com using the code FANSIDED20, all caps, at checkout. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at dailyddt.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Jaden Becker TV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.